The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we will review Austin's win over LAFC, and then we'll also talk about the insane draw over Orlando City. We'll also cover a few other pieces of Austin FC news. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I am Jeremiah Bentley, and the topic we have chosen to discuss this week is our big sports weekend, because somebody, I believe you, told me at Hop Squad that you picked up your first yellow card. I did. It was my first yellow card. I, I we told listeners that this is my first organized, uh, organized 11s soccer season, and I've been playing center back most of the time, center back and left back a lot. And uh, it was like, felt like a little bit of a rite of passage. Was this yellow card deserved? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It was absolutely deserved. <laughs> um, I, I know that listeners here, like, I guess listeners and even just like most people who know me would understand that I'm usually like a pretty calm person, but I also have a lot of like mama hen energy. And if I feel like somebody that I care about has been wronged, I like, absolutely lose it and a guy got full-on like american football tackled in the box and the guy didn't call a penalty at first he ended up giving the penalty which made the whole thing even stupider but he didn't blow his whistle he didn't point anywhere he just like started walking towards the goal and didn't didn't say or do anything and so me and another teammate were yelling at him and i kind of lost a little bit and got a yellow card but is there an accumulation rule in your league like there is. I think it's a ban and also a f- your team gets fined oh, like $25 oh, after two of them or something like that. <laughs> so I don't know that I would have gotten banned immediately necessarily, but uh, my teammates probably wouldn't have liked it very much. That is pretty tough, man. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize. So there's like a, somebody being paid to officiate these games, huh? Yeah, we pay like team dues and then people i am sure they're not getting paid a ton but uh because some of them don't act like they want to be there but (laughs) i spent a brief uh, period of time as a intramural uh softball umpire and i can imagine it's probably the same level of dedication that i had to that job is probably what most of the most of the officials have in that that level of like men's rec league i think yeah that seems about right uh so you also had an event how was your spartan race jeremiah it was hot it was long there was there was spear throwing. How far did you how far did you throw the spear? Well, it was not distance; it was accuracy. So there was oh. like a big target, and it came down to like, could you throw the spear and have it stick in the target? And the thing is, do, so if you, you are you familiar with like what a burpee is? Yes. Okay, so if you failed an obstacle, you had to do thirty burpees for every obstacle you failed. Or like what on the side? Well, I don't know. I guess. I mean, there was <laughs> there 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 was there, there were also officials there who were probably also lowly lowly paid and probably really didn't care, but they would like tell you to go do burpees. And you know, I mean, I wanted to honor the process, so I ended up doing 150 burpees extra on top of running six miles and climbing over and under and like rolling through barbed bar wire and stuff. So it was it was a lot, and I was very tired. But I would I would do it again, but maybe not when it's like 95 degrees in Texas. In the at the end of May, <laughs> I also have some um, maybe some minor issues with certain types of authority. So I don't know if I would have liked those people telling me <laughs> I had to do burpees. 
if they if if they can give you a yellow card in a Spartan race, I might have gotten one there too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because I mean, yeah, I could have just walked past him and it would have been fine. But, <laughs> but there's like shame of being in a crowd that made me go ahead and do the burpees. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, some Austin FC news before we jump into the game reviews. So. Austin FC has announced a partnership with KLM Royal Dutch Airlines. So we don't we don't do a lot of partnership announcements because they have a ton of them. The reason I thought this one was interesting is because I didn't know that the academy was going to be going to European based competition this summer, but apparently they are, and that was the, that was part of the deal is that they will be able to fly to Amsterdam using KLM's non flights nonstop flight from Austin to to like play in the tournament this summer. So I thought that was an interesting note. For a sponsorship, and I thought it was also surprising that they didn't have an airline partner at all before. And that seems like a very specific one, but I, I figure it was worth mentioning that the the academy kids are going to be again going back to Europe and playing playing probably against some high level competition. That's that is interesting. I I know like when asked about making partnerships with other clubs, Claudio has said that like he doesn't necessarily want to have anything in stone especially with usl teams and i think he probably knew that like next pro was coming coming up the road and so i imagine most mls teams are not going to have usl affiliations anymore they'll just have their next pro team and then when asked about european stuff i think this was on uh jorge ramos y subanda like this um this spanish language soccer show Claudio went on that a month or so ago and mentioned the the idea that they would be looking into maybe having some sort of like loose affiliations with European clubs, kind of like what uh, FC Dallas has with Bayern Munich, um, that you could send kids over to train. So I don't know if this has anything to do with that, but the fact that they're sending the the academy kids over to Europe, like those types of relationships could be made in trips like this. So it's it's really cool. If for nothing else, that just the, the academy kids are going to go over and play against some some European competition, but maybe it'll lead to, to some other types of partnerships as well. Yeah, I thought it was cool. That was a cool thing for them. Obviously, I think it's great. It's great for the the team to have that kind of development. All right. Any other news before we move on to games? I know we have two games to cover. So yeah. I think we had a big game week, and they were both they were exciting and interesting games and meaningful <laughs> games, but both in very different ways. So I think we can go ahead and get into that. Yeah. All right. So LAFC, Austin FC beat LAFC 2-1. It put them top of the table, top of the supporters shield standings for all of about three days <laughs> right. until Saturday. But it was really nice. I mean, there was all this back and forth between LAFC and Austin FC's Twitter accounts and fans and stuff saying like hoping somebody would take down a LAFC and then Austin tweeting that Sometimes you just have to do something yourself to get it taken care of. And so it was really kind of cool to for Austin to go to L.A., beat them at home in the Bank of California Stadium to take that top spot officially. And not not just for 12 hours until LAFC, LAFC played, but to have the same number of games played and for us to be in first place. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And, you know, it was at the point where I think that was, what, the 12th game of the season? So you get into where like things aren't a fluke. So we're more than a more than a third away for through the year at that point. It's like, well, maybe this team is actually good. And it's funny how much we'll get we'll get into this after Orlando, but even like the floor on expectations is so much higher than I think it was coming into this year. Um it's it's which is great to see. And this victory, I think, may have been the 
biggest win in the history of Austin FC like goes a long way to doing like I can't I can't think of a more meaningful victory victory that we've had no I think that's absolutely true um you could say like I don't know just for like milestone standpoints like the first goal the first win at home whatever like you could maybe put those into the argument but as far as just like what it means how they won it where it was I think this is absolutely the biggest one so it was not the prettiest of games by no, Austin, no, by any means. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Austin's two two summer two big summer signings. There's several others, but two of the biggest summer signings were uh, involved in that first goal. So Valencia and Gabrielson got that first goal, and then um, there's too much soccer. I can't remember what the second goal was now. Oh, the oh, second, it was the second goal was goal. the the most amazing pass that. Many of us have ever seen from Trigusi to Diego yeah. on that goal. And now a lot of people have seen it, thanks to your friend, Jeremiah. Yeah. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, so one thing that I thought was interesting in Wolf's post-game press conference for this LAFC game, and then was also reiterated by Ring in the like the hype video that they put out the next day, but it was from his little speech that he gave in the team huddle right before kickoff. And they both talked about bravery and ring said, like, I don't care if you mess up, like mess up if you have to, but don't be afraid. Like fear. I think he said something like fear is not a word we understand today. And so like, I think in the galaxy game and maybe in, in some of the other games where we've looked a little, a little shaky, probably specifically the galaxy game. You could say that like players looked a little bit nervous, a little bit shaky, weren't moving the ball as well, or weren't playing as confidently. And so I really liked that that uh, that that was the message that Wolf and and Captain Alex Ring decided to give to the team on that day. I think it was needed. And like I'm I'm generally like a pretty um, analytical analytically minded, I guess you would say. And I I really like to look at like what happens on the field, but. These things matter. Like the psychological psychological aspects of it matter. And I think it's that was like a well-played thing to say, like, don't be afraid of LAFC. You can play with them. Don't be afraid to mess up. Go for it. And although it wasn't the prettiest of games and they didn't necessarily dominate the game any in any way, they weren't afraid. And I thought they went out there and fought really hard. Yeah, they took they took the most of their chances. I had people uh, on I think Thursday after we played, I was talking to some casual fans, and they're like, "What's the biggest difference between this year and last year?" Obviously, one Sebastian Jerusi having an off season to train with a team and not be dropped in out of nowhere and expected to save the club is obviously a huge difference. But then it's just like the the chemistry, and it's like adding guys like Aruti and Felipe, and and having an off season together, and like these all these mental things that that aren't directly related to things on the field. Like that does seem to be the biggest, biggest difference between this club um, bef- this year and the club and last year. Cause like last year, obviously midweek matches on the road where we were awful at them. And now here we are like a midweek match on the road against the best team in the league. And you're right. I mean, statistically we didn't look great at all, but I mean, we pulled it out and that was great to see. Danny Pereira was out with the red card from the RSL game. So Johan Valencia gets the start. At, at in the midfield a couple of other surprises in this lineup brad stuver we weren't sure if he was going to be back or not he gets the nod starts the game has an amazing game and then the other surprise was 
Owen Wolf starting at right wing. Yeah, I don't think I know that people saw that coming. And, and well, I mean, he looked not out of place, right? I mean, he looked like he he belonged. Yeah, I thought he he did perfectly well. Ethan Finley came on in the 64th minute uh, to see out the game, but yeah, Owen held his own. That's that's a big ask. Again, talking about like playing with confidence and not being intimidated for a 17 year old to go out and and play against arguably the best team in the league, one of the best teams in the league for sure, to go out there and, and play a game like that. Yeah, fantastic. Um, the rest of the lineup, uh, Kolmanich gets the start at left back, Gabrielson and Cascante in the middle, Lima on the right. And then the formation was a little bit different in this game. Instead of Valencia being the lone six, it was more of a double pivot, like a 4-2-3-1 with Valencia and Ring next to each other. Then Driussi kind of playing the 10, but kind of floating around and going wherever he wanted to, wherever he was needed. Fagundes on the left, Aruti up top, Owen Wolf out right. Like, do, do we think that this 4-2-3-1, I, I saw some people after the game saying like that they would prefer to see this formation. Like, it did look good in this game. I like having it in in like in the pocket for a game where we're on the road playing against a really high-powered attack. I like this option. And I think uh, Sonny Guadarrama on the broadcast was saying, like, I think there's a way you get, like, all of these midfielders on at the same time. But he didn't quite say how that was. Like, do you do you see a way you can play all of our best midfielders at the same time? Well, well, one thing is you can't right now because they're all on four red cards. And so you might lose all, <laughs> That's right. You might lose all of them all at once. Um. I mean, I, I don't I mean, you could. I just don't feel like that's that's not the system of the game we're playing. Now, like, the fact that we can adjust for situations like this against specific opponents, like, that's good. But I don't see this being, like, a basic formation with a roster that we have. And especially not, like, yeah. I mean, with this big commitment to Alex Ring and Alex Ring playing forward at the start of this year. And I don't, I don't know that you suddenly, like, walk all that back to do something different either. Yeah, I mean, he did end up playing... It was a double pivot, but if you look at the average positions on the field, Ring ended up, on average, slightly deeper than Valencia. He was the one kind of dropping in and picking up the ball more often. Uh, so he was essentially playing his his role from last year. Yeah, and if you look at this game, yeah, if you look at the stats in terms of like duels won and clearances and shots blocked and all those things that we saw from Alex Ring last year, that was those were all last year's kind of numbers in this game. Yeah, and I know, like, I think some people would say, well, just bench ring, bench ring and play Valencia and and uh, Pereira. And I still push back so hard against that. Alex Ring is very important to this team and does a lot of really good things that a lot of people don't notice. Um, so I don't, I don't think we're a better team with Alex Ring off the field necessarily. And so, like, let's say for you could say, let's say you do a double pivot of Ring and Valencia. And then, like, you can't really play Danny wide. Right. Uh, you could play him more centrally and say you put Driussi wide, but then you're probably giving Driussi fewer touches on the ball unless he's, like, coming inside all the time. And then you're, like, maybe crowding the midfield and not having any width. Then you could say, okay, well, let's play width with the fullbacks. That takes us back to last year where you have Julio Cascante getting into foot races in every transition moment. And like, 
I just think every little thing that you try to fix opens up another problem behind it where the truth is we've been playing this way and we're second in the league right now and have been like look pretty good doing it so i don't think we should tinker too much yeah i agree i mean the roster is built this way i mean they brought those guys these guys in to play these specific roles in this system and i don't think tinkering with it is is like the is the best idea just because of i don't know a kind of a a neutralish run of four games yeah um all right let's get into some of the highlights of this lafc game so the first goal comes 13 minutes in it's ruben gabrielson with a really like deft clever little finish there wasn't it yeah that was not what you that was not a center back finish in in any way in 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 that moment for sure yeah was this this was off of a a corner or a long throw i thought i think it was a corner and then i think you're i think you're right it was a corner that and that's why the the center backs are up there, but it gets like clear, deflected, whatever. And an Orlando city player gets a touch on it and tries to flick it over to, to someone to, to sorry, or not Orlando city, LAFC player gets a flick on and tries to run. Uh, Johan Valencia does what Johan Valencia is, is paid to do and cuts that ball out. And he just turns around really quick and hits it. I'm not sure if he was trying to shoot there, or trying to just like get it into the mixer. I I really think he was just like, there's still players up there. I'm just going to turn and just blast it into traffic. And uh, Gabrielson does a good job to like get a touch on it. A slightly clumsy little turn, but keeps the ball under his feet there. And then pulls his leg back and he sees Mario go to ground. And he does this really, it looks kind of awkward, but is extremely effective where he pulls his, his shooting leg back. And then just like sticks it on the ground and waits for Mario to go to ground and then just like swing, like picks up his leg and swings it from a like a stationary position and just hits it in, like passes it into the backside of the net over, over Mario who had just slid in front of him. So great finish from, from a center back there. Yeah. And his second goal in the year, I should have looked this up, but I mean, it's got to be the most from any of our center backs. Did we have, did we get two goals from the center backs last year even? Julio might have had two last year, but I don't think it was more than two if he did. We did not necessarily. I mean, we, I guess we still had, we won the game in possession, but. But um, we, none, none of the danger stats. Well, and then like four minutes after that, that's when Stuver absolutely saved our bacon when he had the uh, the double save on the Blessing and Vela shots. That's right. And that was Cascante's fault that that happened. Yes. Uh, Cascante tries to dribble a guy in the box and it does not come off. It leads to a Latif blessing shot. Stuver saves it from point blank, falls to Vela, and then Stuver is able to get a leg on it. So, yeah, Stuver did not waste time getting back into form. He came back with his his hair on fire and just had a really great game in this one. Yeah. And I think from there, I mean, it was a lot of. um. Like you said, like we had a lot of possession. I feel like LA had the more dangerous chances. Um, oh, there was one. Was it Diego at that was not, that was not long after that? Diego hits a crossbar. The 20, 20, 23rd minute, Diego hits the crossbar, and so okay, well, we're probably going to talk about playing out of the back for the for the Orlando, for the Orlando game. yeah. So everyone remembers when we mess it up, but this this play comes from it starts with Brad Stuver, and so. He uh, gets it to lean, like, I don't remember, from like a Stuver throw or something. 
uh, Lima ends up playing two really nice passes. One of them finds Diego, like center of the field. Diego kind of fights off a couple of defenders and Lima continues to run up the right side and Diego finds him again. Uh, Lima plays Driussi, like Driussi makes a run in behind the back line and Lima plays a nice little lofted pass over the top. He gets to the end line, cuts it back to Diego. I think it might be like bouncing on the turf a little bit, but Mario again goes to ground in front of him. So I think he does need to get a little bit of height on the ball, but it seems like he just hit, tried to hit it a little too hard. Like, I don't think he needed to like, hit it so hard. Cripo, the keeper had to come off the line on Driussi's dribble. And so really, if he just gets any kind of touch on it, just to get it over Mario's body, that's going in the back of the net. And he instead hits it like pretty hard and just goes high and hits that crossbar. But that would have been, that could have changed the game a little bit right there going up two nil so early. Yeah, it could. And we talk about X goal a lot and whether it's useful or not, but that was, that was our biggest X goal opportunity of the match was that one. It was higher than, than the goal we scored. Austin FC ended up conceding a lot of corner kicks. I think let me is 14 corner kicks to Austin's one in this game. Yes. Kellen Acosta has really nice service from corners and there are quite a few like really dangerous moments from those. And I, I kind of meant to go back and look at this, but if you look at LAFC's um, expected goals chart uh, on the MLS soccer website, they have this little expected goals chart and like incrementally ticks up with each shot. And you can kind of visually see what the expected goal rating was for each of these. The one that Stuver saved from Vela was a like a 16% chance. After that, it looks like there's like 10 shots that are all like 10% or lower. And so there were a lot of a lot of opportunities. Austin did a good job of not letting any of those be really strong opportunities, which I, I think was one of the strengths in this game was like bend, don't break. And they probably should have done a little better to cut out some of those opportunities. Uh, gave that one specifically with Julio gave them a pretty golden opportunity that Stuver saved us on. But uh, there's another save from a transition. Uh, Opoku makes that uh, a run in behind. He, Coleman, is maybe not re- well positioned in transition. Opoku gets behind and uh, Gabrielson does a good job of keeping him from cutting inside and forces that shot to the near post. And Stuver does this really quick instinct kick save and I, it was like so close that like the graphics on TV showed goal and like oh, gave I LA a goal. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so that was another really nice moment from Stuver. But just like that, like fighting spirit, being brave, like bend but don't break, it it panned out for Austin here. Um, oh, and there's one other moment that I wanted to talk about before we get to the other uh, the other major events was that shot that Owen Wolf took in the like 39th minute. Do you remember which one I'm talking about? No, I don't remember that one. It was like in a, like a slight transition moment, but they played somebody played a ball up to Owen and he turns and starts running at the back line and Lima overlaps him on the right. And so the defender kind of has to split the difference. And there's another defender inside who has to split the difference between maybe Drew or someone else who's running there. And so Owen does like the right thing. Like, he attacks and like pushes forward 
and says, make a decision. Like you come to me or you go to him and nobody steps. And so he takes a crack and just like the swerve of the ball puts it just outside the upper corner. Okay. That's and it hits like the side net, but he struck it really well and like play like played the scenario really well, which is an encouraging thing to see from a kid that age. You see people, you see older people, including on this team, maybe freeze up in that moment, not, not know what to do. And he does the exact right thing. Yeah, that was the one from just outside the box, right? Or maybe on right. the edge mm-hmm. of the box. Okay. Yeah, that was, gosh, man, that would have been so cool to see him score that goal. Yeah, we we referenced the the pass, the pass, a little bit <laughs> later on. This is in the 80th minute. Um, the ball swings out to the left. No, no, yes, out left to Diego. Diego does really well to play it, like split two defenders to kind of drop it back to Driussi. He then gets swarmed by three defenders takes one touch out to the left sideline and Rabona's it over the top. And it just like slowly falls right into the path of Diego. Diego doesn't even have to take a touch. He just keeps running and the ball is just running right along in front of him. And he takes two or three steps before he even takes a touch after that, I think. But um, there was not a very good angle of that on the game. I didn't notice it in the game. I saw people talking about it afterwards. And if you go back and watch like the game highlights or just the footage from the broadcast, if you know it's happening and look really close, you can say like, oh, yeah, I kind of think he reboned it. But then Jeremiah, your friend Chris, sent you a video and he's sitting on the sideline like right there and happens to be filming the field at that very moment and catches it all on, on Cuts video. all right in front of him. Yeah, so it's my friend Chris Beckett. He, so he posted it on Instagram and his Instagram is private. And I saw that. I was like... Holy crap! This is like the video that everybody's <laughs> been asking for. It's like Chris, you have. So I texted him. I was like, "Send me the video and and can I post it?" And he sent me like, he's like, "I mean, yeah, it was a good pass." And he sent me like three videos. I'm like, "No, no, that one, that one." So like, <laughs> I got that one. Yeah, and, and he was he was cool, and we that that we could share it. So he posted on the Moon Tower Soccer account, and that was like the video that everybody was looking for. I mean, I didn't until I saw that. I did not appreciate like the beauty, like the strength of that the power of that like the direction of that and i mean i don't know that very many people in the league even could even think about making that pass and definitely not complete that pass yeah and a rabona so quickly for those who don't know a rabona is when you you put your outside plant foot next to the ball and then you kick the ball behind your plant leg with your other foot to do this while running and ev- evading defenders is extremely difficult. I would say most of the time when people do Rabonas, it's to show off and is not actually more effective than just hitting it with your other foot. Um, I think in this scenario, it probably was more effective just because of the, like where the ball was, where the defenders were, how much time he had as the ball was kind of running away from him. And then the way that it like put this backspin on it that just dropped it right in front of Diego and it just kept running along with him. Diego didn't have to chase it. It was just with him the whole time. And so I would argue that this was more effective. Could he have just hit it with his left foot? Yeah, maybe. But uh, I think this worked better. I think a famous one, like Eric Lamella scored a couple in the Premier League a few years ago. I think both of those, he could have just hit it with his other foot and it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, I think, that, I think the thing about this one, you mentioned it, is that made it so good is like where the defenders were. And if he just hit it with like the left foot, maybe he doesn't get it through them over them or whatever, but the or doesn't like, if he takes another step, 
to hit it with his left foot. Like maybe the defenders get there. He has to hit it a little bit further. Diego has to chase it a bit more. Yeah, because Diego had, I mean, it's, it was a great finish too. And it was almost overwhelmed, right? Because like Diego had a lot of choices to make and he let the ball run exactly as long as he needed to let it run. You know, he got on the foot exactly what he needed to and put the ball in the exact right place in order to convert that. Yeah, talk about being brave there. He had a defender kind of backtracking. Maxi was making a run in behind that defender. And so that defender couldn't commit too much because he knew Diego could slip that pass to Maxi in behind. Cropo uh, was also, as Diego got closer, Cropo started to kind of come off his line a little bit, knowing that if Diego chipped it over to the backside, he might have to come off or like cheat over to, to another shot. And so Diego just keeps running. Somebody commit to me. Somebody commit to me. And they never did. And finally, he takes a look inside and sees that Crapo had cheated out a little bit and just hits it near post and, and is able to get it past. I, do you think Crapo could or should have saved that one? He gets a hand to it. I think he did the best he could, given given what 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 transpired there when the shot comes. And so De- Diego definitely redeemed himself from the earlier shot off the post, right? Yeah. Yeah, so so at that point we're up two nil. We're cruising. People are texting me like, "We're the best team in the world." I'm so glad that we have managed to pull out this midweek victory against the best team, the leading team in the Western Conference. And then things changed a lot. Yeah, it started feeling a little bit different. Uh, that first penalty comes in the what minute? Was I think it was eighty six. Eighty six minute was when yeah when the goal was scored. So. Oh, that's true. Uh, I think Vela, the penalty is like 83 or something, maybe. Yeah, probably, because I think they did a, a review, so it was maybe a few minutes before then. But um, Vela gets in over the top behind. Stuver comes off his line. Vela takes a touch wide, and uh, Stuver goes to ground to try to catch the ball. Vela is very clever here and leaves his trailing foot just as far down as he could go. Does a good job of selling it, I think. Um but Stuver gave him the opportunity to do that. It, it, and I mean, so... Yeah, I've, I feel like I've seen Vela do that before. I mean, it was a penalty by every letter of the law. Like, just. It just was, enough, it was yeah. one of those where it's like, like, Vela, you cheated, but we have to tip our hat to you because, yeah. like, there's no, like, the ref has to call it, I think. Yeah, he has to. Yeah, the way he dragged the leg... It, like, the ref, the ref knows he, though, like, he was diving, but it's like, there's enough contact there. Like, good job, buddy. You did it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's fair to give it there. Uh, my favorite moment in the game happens right after this as they're like, as they do, there's always like a big kerfuffle around the penalty spot and people going to try to psych out the taker and people trying to like stamp on the penalty spot to make a, like the ground bumpy there. And Felipe just walks up real, real casually and calmly to, to Villa and just looks at him and like starts telling him like where to shoot it. He's like, yeah, take, take it right side, put it, put it to the right side. <laughs> I think the ref or one of the other players comes and pushes him out of the way. But I thought that was so funny. Like the most Felipe way to psych somebody out. It's not like talking trash or anything. It's just like, yeah, put it over there. <laughs> um, Stuver guesses the wrong way. Villa puts that one away. So that's two, one. Uh, this is when I start getting quite nervous in the game. I felt not great about the rest of it, but okay. Very tense game. Uh, the next one, do you remember what minute that next VAR call was? Oh, no, I don't. I, I went back and looked, and I couldn't figure out which one it was. But it was, man, I mean, LAFC had all of the ball and all the opportunities, and I felt like we really seized up 
um, in the moment. Yeah. So this, this second VAR call was they play the ball into, I want to say maybe Palacios and Kip Keller comes up behind him and is trying to challenge for the ball. Kip Keller does not get the ball. (laughs) He slightly clips the back of this guy's ankle. It's not given in real time. They take it to VAR and they don't overturn it. I think this very easily and probably fairly could have been given as a penalty, but it was borderline enough. Um, And I, I think it's another one of those, like Keller didn't actually kick him very hard. Like you can tell like he like kind of puts his foot down behind this guy's foot. The guy feels contact and fairly goes down. Had it been given on the field, I think the VAR keeps that a penalty. I think it's probably right. I think VAR is not overturning that either way you give it. And so whatever was given in the moment was going to stand. And so um, maybe it should have been a penalty, but I think it's also fair that VAR did not overturn it and that um, maybe a little bit of like justice was served there with, with Vela getting by, getting over that first one that they weren't given this second one. But I think this is kind of a theme in both of these games that I feel, I just feel like Austin has not been on the right side of a lot of these in their short history. And so I feel like we're maybe just karma's catching You're up okay. with them. Well, I feel like there's something about, and we can talk about this probably in the Orlando match too, but like the way Kip Keller plays, like it's, it just seems very aggressive. Like it feels like he's going to attract cards because of like, it's just, I mean, it's a little bit, I think you caught him like an oversized baby deer or something. Like he's just a little <laughs> bit clumsy, you know? And His I feel body like, just like moves too much for what he's yeah, doing. Exactly. And exactly. so like, I think it makes him look like, it could be intimidating to the other team in moments. I think it could maybe play into his advantage. But in moments like this, where if a thing is maybe not a foul because of the way he moves, they might be more likely to give the foul. And it's it's a little bit like the way Alex Ring moves, right? Like it's a very like like he's not like Ring is not as smooth as some other guys that play his position, right? And it's very like kind of blocky and determined. And I feel like Keller does a little bit the same way too. And he's probably gonna pick up extra cards and things because of that. And luckily this didn't turn out to be a negative for Austin. Yeah. Uh so yeah, there's I don't know how many chances in the last little minute, but we end up seeing because so okay, I remember when this VAR call was now. It was at 90 minutes because they don't start play again until three minutes after the 90 minutes was up. And so the fourth official holds up five minutes on the sign. And I'm like, wait, is this five minutes from 90 minutes or five minutes from now? It ended up being five minutes from now. And we played until eight minutes after the 90. And lots of last ditch defending and lots of fighting but Austin saw it out and was able to to win the game which like you said before biggest win in biggest win in history yeah and then it ends up so Stuver, Gabrielson, Drewsi and Wolf all end up on the MLS team of the week with Josh Wolf not Owen Wolf not, not Owen Wolf Josh Wolf maybe be on the young team of the week um which is like that we had two teams of the week this week by the way for people who don't like follow things too closely um because that was like Right, because that was Thursday they announced that, and then Driusi. That's today, right. Yeah. Um. On today was announced on Team of the Week again. So, I guess everybody played two games, so we have two game weeks. Yeah. Uh. But Stuver was phenomenal. 
Gabrielson had probably, I think, probably his best game for for Austin. Uh, Drewsy was Drewsy and just did Drewsy stuff. And then yeah, Josh Wolf. Um, I think this is maybe where Josh Wolf comes in. Like partially, I think they give him like coach of the week for just the winning that game on the road. But I think he made some shit, some shifts later in this game that really affected it. Um, I heard a lot of people describing this as putting Kip Keller in at fullback, but I don't think that's actually what happened. So I can't remember who did he come on for. Um, he came so on. He, he came on he came for, up for Nick Lima, Lima yeah. seventy six minutes. So uh, Gallagher comes on for Kolmanich. Kip Keller comes on for Nick Lima. And so the way I saw it was a back five with our three center backs, Kip on the right side as that right-sided center back, Ethan Finley as the right wing back, and John Gallagher as the left wing back. Um, I know this is all fluid and it was we were pinned back the whole time anyway, but I think that makes it sound a little less crazy than saying like, oh, Kip Keller is playing right back, which I don't... I don't think that's actually what was happening, but I think you could like some people would say like, okay, this is Josh Wolf parking the bus or like, like giving up essentially, but we are already so far pinned back at that point in the game that I, I feel like we looked better after we made that shift. It kind of steadied the team a little bit and we actually were able to keep hold on to the ball a little bit more after that and move the ball some more and get out of our own area for a little while. Is is that the way you saw it, or did you see it as like as like waving a white flag and and giving up? Well, given that the goal came after the second goal came after that move was made, I definitely wasn't giving up. But yeah, I mean, it seemed like a good solid back three, and then part of it's just like who you have available and 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 you know what what you can do. And so I don't I didn't have any problem with that at all. Um, I mean, I think it was I think it was smart. I think you know Kip this week after sitting out a long time, really kind of made a good account of himself between both matches, especially for a guy that hadn't seen the field in a long time. He really acclimated quickly. Yeah, he really did. One of the most interesting things I think came out of this is so uh, the club tweeted this out, but after this match, we had collected 10 points on the road already this season, which is two points more than we collected on the road all of last year. So like last year, we wow. scored eight. <laughs> we scored eight points on the road all year, and now we're already up to 10, you know, and we're just... 12, 12 games into the season. If there's anything that speaks to the difference between this year's club and last year's club, like it has to be that. Yeah, that's amazing. And like midweek on the road, especially, right? Like after a certain point in the season, if we were playing away on a Wednesday, I was like, we're losing. Like we are yeah. absolutely losing this game. And yeah, so I think that's just another another reason why this is the biggest win in club history. Yeah, and Bill's made a good point about people who wanted to see players like GTA or want to see Romagna back. You know, like the competition for the game day 20 is real this year. And last year we had 18, 19 guys sometimes that were even healthy and able to play. Like there was not, we were not picking among quality choices. We were like, can you wear a jersey and run around? Yes, then yeah, yeah. you get to be on the game day roster. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, the first place position didn't, hold but it was it was very sweet while it lasted <laughs> it felt great uh all right jeremiah let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the craziness that was the orlando city game on sunday night no one is around. 
Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Austin Daily Drop. Austin Daily Drop is a gathering of local news stories that our Twitter friend and I don't know, you've actually talked to Chris, maybe actual friend, Chris Mosher. I've never met him in person. We've exchanged text messages and uh, a phone call. And then I followed him on Twitter and listened to his podcast for a while. <laughs> okay, so a acquaintance of sorts, maybe you know, becoming a friend, Chris Mosier, uh, puts out that he puts out stories that he finds to be impactful and interesting, served up as a quick digest. Chris has been involved in the Austin broadcasting and media scene since 1993, which is a long time. Yeah, so covers everything that is Austin. Any any type of news that's going to be interesting to someone living in Austin. I actually, after my my game the other day where I got the yellow card, I was we had a, a new player on the team, and she was somebody mentioned the podcast, and she said, "Oh, is that the podcast that they mentioned on Austin Daily Drop the other day?" And I was like, "Yeah, it is." Chris actually gave us a shout out and like quoted quoted me on the on the show. Oh, thank you, Chris. Uh, like used us as one of his sources that's kind of what he does he'll pull sources that he likes or sources that he thought are making making good news and he we're honored that he chose us as one of his sources on that day but um yeah it's he talks about austin fc fairly regularly kind of gives little updates there but also music culture uh restaurants news local government anything anything that's interesting and relevant to folks living in austin so Chris maybe really is evil Mopac. Is that what we're is that the theory we're gonna come out with here? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna accuse him of that. We're not gonna speculate on that. Okay, so Chris posts the pod Monday through Friday by 8 a.m. and it usually runs between eight and ten minutes long. Um, summed up as a quick, easy, and reliable way to stay up to speed about everything that's happening in Austin that you might need to know about. Give Chris ten minutes and he'll give you Austin. All right, we don't have a home match happening for a little while, but we will still be doing ticket giveaways thanks to Sage Wilson Property Group for uh, a, m- a match in the future. I like the way I write these. For a match on ex- capitalized words, <laughs> match date, future game. Uh, if you would like to enter, you can go to MoonTowerSoccer.com and then click on free ticket giveaway in the top navigation bar or click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form there. So we haven't talked about really the real estate market in Austin, but it's sort of bananas. If you or someone you know are in need of real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group and check them out online at sagewilson.com. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FVF.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FVF.law. Wait, I want, I want to add on to that that when my son and I, Jackson and I were going to the game, he was talking about lawyers, and I don't know why. And then he's like, Dad, you know, you can't find a guy like standing on top of a truck with a hammer screaming. You should like talk to FVF. Like, baby, you get it. Like, <laughs> thank you. Yes, we should all care about people like FVF Law. And apparently, I've like worked this into the brain of my child, which I'm very he's- proud of. He's a very wise 12-year-old. <laughs> he is. He is for sure. All right. We are back. We're going to recap the Orlando City game at home, the 2-2 draw. Jeremiah, this one was insane. Um, I I was like strangely calm during the first half, even when we were down 2-0. But then the last 20 minutes or so, whenever that first red card happened... I think this is maybe like the most tense and like insane that stadium has ever been. 
Yeah, I think just when we talked about the last game being the biggest win ever that we've had without a doubt. I feel like this is the craziest home match we've ever had without a doubt for for all those reasons for the the intensity for the volume for what happened for like the shithousery we have not seen on any other level up until this match like it was just the total package was so insane i think you could objectively call the the 4-3 or whatever it was against san jose at home last year crazier but because we lost it it's like a less fun memory the, we got a point out of this one, and so I think this one is like a more fun memory and maybe had like higher craziness highs than that game did. Yeah, I think this one was louder. I feel like that – I don't remember what Absolutely. that – Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think that was the thing where like in terms of the whole stadium being up and kind of going insane and losing their minds all at the same time, I don't think anything competes with this match in that way. Yeah, um, so this one – gets off to a pretty quick start. So Austin gets a goal in the second minute. No, Austin does not. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. Orlando gets a goal in the second minute. This comes from Brad Stuver playing out of the back. Uh just tries to chip a defender into John Gallagher playing on the left the left fullback there and just doesn't get any height on it and bounces off the defender. Um uh, it was Junior Urso. He plays the ball in to Kara. Kara takes one touch, slots it inside. No chance of stopping it at all. Uh, that one's all on Stuver. The, I, I watched back to see if there's like any way it could have been salvaged at that point. No. it Stuver, Stuver beefed it, and then once he gave it away, there was no chance of stopping it. And the good, you know, the good thing on his part is like he totally owned that. So I, somebody on Instagram asked him about it. And he's like, what were you trying to do? Were you trying to take a no-look pass to the left or something? And Stuver replied and said, nope. He said, I just missed a ball that I hit every day all the time. So, I mean, he, it's, yeah, it was just a scuff ball. Like, he was trying to do something and, and failed at it. And I appreciate that he owned it and tried to cover from it. And the weird thing is, like, suddenly then the Stuver out crowd comes out after that, you know, from, like, team of the week three days earlier to, <laughs> <I know. laughs> all, to all of a sudden like oh my gosh this guy gives up so many goals like trying to play out of the back and get too casual with his feet and stuff and i just it would be hard to be a professional athlete with how short of a memories like fans have yeah i mean he really has added that pass to his to his tool bag i feel like last year it was almost always like playing laterally to a center back and then if he was doing anything else, it made me nervous. And this year he has been kind of like faking that pass either up the gut to to Pereira or out to the side and then chipping it over the top to one of the fullbacks if they have space there. And that's what he was trying to do and just didn't come off. Um, Austin fought back pretty well after that. I feel like we had we controlled the game and had some good chances for about the next 10 minutes. Uh, but then I'd say about like the – 15th uh, like 15 between 15 and 20 minutes um orlando is really starting to kind of like cut through our press quite a bit and we, we've done quite well like pressing teams and making them kind of do things they don't want to for the most part that was not really happening in this game jeremiah you said that you thought the team looked like a little bit sluggish right like 
I think that maybe was like adding to it, just like a step slow on on things, and Orlando was just able to pass right through us. Yeah, that's right. And I don't think it was just the I don't know if it was the heat. You know, I don't think it was the heat. I think maybe it was the travel. You know, because we had gone to RSL, stayed on the West Coast, played in LA. You know, and they were sort of playing three matches in seven days without you know a lot of rotation. So in that lineup, um, the only swaps that we have were Danny obviously comes back in because he was off on the red and then we flipped the John Gallagher John Kolmanich situation but other than that like it's the exact same starting lineup and I just felt like they were just a step slow all the time and that that like first 15 minutes or so was the most reminiscent of last year of anything that we played um this year and I think that I think that's a lot of it just like they just seem really really dead lagged um and and they eventually caught up with the game later and maybe it was because of the way the cards broke, but I just felt like they were like just step off for most for most of the match. Yeah, and I think this is like a distinction that I would make between effort and intensity. Uh, even a lot of times last year, like I don't think the guys weren't trying hard. I just think there's like this step above that of like playing fast, playing aggressive, playing strong that they that we didn't see last night, and I. It, it, does that distinction make sense to me, or are those two the same thing to you? No, so I, mean, I think it goes back to your your point on the video about playing like playing brave and playing bold. And in fact, they, I don't know if they were too tired to play bold, or they didn't feel that Orlando was the challenge that playing LFC was on the road was. But like whatever that urgency that they played with in Los Angeles on Wednesday night, they just did not have that on Sunday night at home. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned John Gallagher getting the start at left back. I think like partially this could have been because of the midweek game. Kolmanich is one of the players who has tended to get tired at the end of, of intense games, but also, uh, Ruan Orlando's right back is one of the fastest players in the league. And I think maybe for both of those reasons combined reasons combined is why you see Gallagher get the, get the start over there. Um, But yeah, the second goal comes in the 23rd minute. This one again, like if you watch it, there's not any like one big error that leads to this. It's like a string of of lots of errors where somebody could have put in like that extra 10% and, and fixed it maybe. So um, Orlando is attacking Austin. Facundo Torres gets in behind Nick Lima receives the ball. It's it's a pretty well-played pass, but Lima maybe could have done a bit better to to block him off there. Torres gets to the the end line, crosses it in. Uh, Kip Keller, who had come in for Ruben Gabrielson, Ruben went down in the 20th minute, calls for a sub. Chris Bills is able to get confirmation in the press conference afterwards that it was uh, just nausea, like it was sick to his stomach and couldn't go anymore. And that it wasn't something that they knew beforehand, that it just hit him like during the national anthem. And just like, I can't go anymore. I have to stop now. But and I was, I was, one thing I will say is like, um, cause like, we, cause I said my seats are in the south end, right? Just where, which is where the Austin FC players who are training on the sidelines who may go in, go in. Like, Kip was warming up from the opening whistle. Was he? Clearly, okay. Yeah, I was, I yeah, was curious when he started. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was may, maybe, maybe it wasn't the very start, but like, Five minutes in, I looked at him like, why is Kip Keller by himself running like running on the sideline back and forth to go in? So clearly they knew that that was something that was going to happen sooner or later. And it probably happened sooner than they wanted it to happen. 
But yeah, it was definitely from the start, there was the high potential that Kip was going to go in. Because I think when Gabrielson went down, like a lot of player, a lot of fans thought that maybe it was an injury or whatever, but it was clearly something that they were look, they were planning for. Yeah. So um, on this cross, Torres puts the cross in. Kip Keller does a really good job of, of uh, keeping his body on Kara, the, the Orlando striker, who's a big dude, a big, strong guy. And Keller does really well to stay in front of him, keep his body on him. But when the ball gets there, all he's able to do is just stick his chest out and let the ball bounce off of his chest. It falls to an Orlando player. They get another shot on it. Stuver is able to stop it, but doesn't really punch it very strongly. Can't get it wide. Can't really get it out of the box. So it falls to uh, an Orlando player there. I think maybe Ruan was the guy there. And then Gallagher is steps to the shooter and is just like an inch or two away from getting a foot on it. So I don't think there were any like huge mistakes happening there, but it just seemed like there are several instances where one guy does a little bit better and we're able to get that one out of the box and get it out. So uh, I think, yeah, it just speaks to that intensity bit there. But going back to Kip Keller, a lot of people were really impressed with his performance, which I think he did play a pretty good game whenever he came on. I think we're talking about the way he moves. I think a lot of people like Kip Keller because it always looks like he's trying really hard. And like in a way that maybe Ruben is like a little calmer in his movement that Kip always just looks like he's, he's given it 110%, which I, he is. And he like, he's, he's, he did, he had a good game, but I think this game was a good example of like what Kip is still missing compared to Ruben Gabrielson. Um, there were several moments where other players were kind of having to tell Kip where to be or like on rotation moments. Like there's one moment where Driussi kind of drops in to pick up the ball as in the buildup. And he kind of ends up being like where Kip would normally be in the buildup. And Kip like runs and essentially just like stands right behind him. And Driussi plays the ball and then like kind of yells at him like, Hey, I'm in your spot. Like, go, go forward. Go, go like, somewhere rotate else. In, rotate into the spot that I left and give me an option there. And instead, Kip just kind of like stood awkwardly behind Driussi and like wasn't being helpful, wasn't occupying a defender, wasn't an option for a pass. And then there were several other moments. Uh, I think there's one time when a ball got played up the right in transition. He ends up winning it, but he like hesitates. He starts going and then stops and then starts again. And he's fast enough that he was able to get over and, and slow the ball down anyway. But there's just a lot of little moments like that where he still just like needs to learn some stuff. That being said, like physically the tools are there. The athleticism is there. The skill is there. This kid is going to be really good, he, yeah. but he needs some, he needs some time and some experience. And I think that is why Ruben Gabrielson started getting those starts after Kip really played two really good games in those first two games. But um, I think now we're starting to see kind of like what the difference is in a 30 year old European veteran who's captain teams and a guy who was playing college last year. Yeah. But the, to, to this point, I mean, these things are things that are teachable or coachable or you will get over time, which is great. Absolutely. And like we're, we're going to keep cannot comparing him to Walker Zimmerman and not wanting to compare him to Walker Zimmerman. So like Walker Zimmerman was like in his third season before he saw 
meaningful minutes because well, part of it's because he was injured, but also like you just need to learn these things. And so, yeah. you know, and he's like in the net, you know, he's the best defender in the lesson in the national team pool and stuff. So like, I, I feel like Kip can do it. I just, the expectation that halfway through his first season in the league, he's going to be a polished product is not reasonable at all. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I, I don't want people to think that I'm talking bad about Kip. Absolutely not. I think he's done a great job with the minutes he's been given, but I think the, the larger point is like, like you said, two years from now, I think he's going to be a monster. Um, Austin gets a few other chances in the first half. Another Owen Wolf ball. He hits like this clipped cross into the box that gets on Julio's head. Uh, Julio hits it straight down instead of at goal and it bounces over the crossbar. But um, a few decent chances in the first half, including a Maxi Ruti bar off the post or Maxi Ruti shot off the post. Um, So like I... (laughs) I've heard people say that like Austin was played off the field in the first half. I feel like that's a little harsh. It was like, I feel like there were moments where Austin clearly looked like the better team and like a stretch where we had way more chances than them, but there were just like the moments that that mattered Orlando capitalized on. Yeah, that's exactly how I saw it. Like Orlando capitalized on their opportunities, especially the first half and Austin didn't. And if you look at like throughout like if you look at the like the X goals or whatever, like it was really high for both teams, and we just like we missed our chances, and they didn't miss their chances. But I mean, we ha- we had them, and this is one of those matches. It was just so like up and down, and like transition was crazy, and it could like any score would have not surprised me in in terms of the ultimate outcome. But you know, we we were not out of it in the first half for sure. Yeah, by no means. Um, the second half is when. Things started to get really wild. Uh, who was it that hit this ball? John Gallagher gets set up for a shot at the top of the box. Uh, hits it really hard. It bounces off of Rodrigo Schlegel's arm. So Austin gets a free kick at the top of the box a few yards outside. And Schlegel gets a yellow card because he had his arm sticking out. Um, both of these these cards, by the way, were covered. Actually, all of these cards were covered on Instant Replay, which is a little video product that MLSsoccer.com does after these match days where they review like contentious calls. Uh, They looked at this one and and kind of had some interesting thoughts, but they put out the, put up on the screen like what the actual rule is for handball. Um, And the rule for giving a yellow, it's when a player handles the ball to interfere with a promising attack. I think in this moment, it's a shot that is most likely on goal. His arm is sticking out from his body. I think that's an Absolutely. easy to give. I feel, I feel, um, yeah, I agree. So Schlegel gets his first yellow there. Austin gets that free kick <laughs> on the, the following free kick. Schlegel is in the wall. Driussi hits it and it bounces off Schlegel's arm again. So he therefore gets his second yellow leading to a red, an expulsion, and a penalty kick. Do you think that's, that one was harsh, the second one? That one was a little bit... that was fair? That was a little bit harsh, I think. I, I feel like it's a little harsh, but it's like... I think because it's a shot on goal, you have to give it. I think it's one of those, like, if that's a cross in from the side, and the guy, he, like, his arm was not far off of his body but it like squeezed between the wall in between two arms and bounces 
away from goal off of this guy's arm, I think you have to give it there. Like it's maybe a little bit on the line, but I think you have to give it. Yeah, I think I'm going to borrow this opinion from somebody else. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Scott Speck. Maybe it's like by the letter of the law, it's accurate, but the law is dumb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that goes to something Josh Wolf said in the post post-game press call is that like somebody asked if he thought the calls were fair and he's like, I don't, I don't look at it as fair or not fair. Like the refs were put in the position to make the calls and it's their job to make the call. And so I don't think like they had to do it or not. And I think in that situation, like you give it. And so I I agree with that. Like it's, it's again, like Stuver gave Villa the opportunity to, to draw that penalty. I think here Schlegel gave the ref the opportunity to call that that handball. And I think it's I think we would have all been pretty upset had they not called it, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, maybe a little bit harsh, but again, like it's close enough that I don't think you can blame the ref on this one. Uh so Driussi ends up scoring this uh this penalty kick. He kicks it right down the middle and Pedro Gaese, who had a hell of a game, Gaese was really good and like probably stopped several several shots that should have been Austin goals. Uh, but he gets a leg on it, and it ends up going in like hitting the top top of the net anyway, which is a little bit scary. But glad to see that that net move whenever it hit it. Uh, Driussi gave a quote to I think I saw Michelle Sanchez post this on Twitter that. Someone asked, "Do you see? Do you know where this quote came from?" I, I don't know. Directly I, to Michelle, I or? also saw Michelle post it on Twitter. I don't know if she asked the question or not. Okay, yeah, she may have asked it in the locker room after the game, but she posted this on Twitter and said that Drewsi said, "Like I had a place in mind where I was going to put it, and then I saw Mauricio Pereira go and talk to Gaese, and so I didn't realize this, but Pereira played in Russia." And so Drisu is like, I know Pereira from Russia. We played against each other a lot. And so whenever I saw him talk to Gaese, I changed my mind and put it somewhere else. And so it's almost like I I like have tendencies and I have places I like to put it. And so I intentionally did something different because I thought Pereira was giving Gaese a tip there, which again, like for reasons to love Sebastian Drisu, that just add that one to the list. Like being like playing mind games with the way he's taking penalties. Yeah, yeah, that was such that was such a good call. So, you know, he was uh MLS team of the week again this week for the second time this week. Like I've seen a lot of um folks who thought he wasn't our best player on the field during this game and then it was only because he got this goal off the penalty kick was kind of why he got it. Like what did you think about his performance overall? I mean, it's I think it was an overall quiet game by his standards, but um like he wasn't bringing us down. <laughs> so I think even at his worst moments, he's still one of the better players on the field. And so like, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I saw some people saying that like, maybe he needs a game off the bench or something. It was like, uh, no, that's, that's crazy. Silly. Like, yeah, I, I, the I, guys, I, the guys leading the league in, uh, goal contributions, I think eight goals and three assists or something like that. Now, um, even when he's bad, he's still really good. This is another fun set. Like with that goal, he became the single season record holder for goals by an Austin FC player. <laughs> 13 yeah, games yeah. into the season. Fagundes and Dominguez tied for seven. 
last year. Uh, yeah. So he, if he gets, I guess, two more, he'll be the all-time the career leader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. So he finishes the penalty. Um, in the sixty-ninth minute, the penalty was scored in the sixty-third minute. In the sixty-ninth minute, Orlando gets their second yellow card. And so this one was uh, from a violent conduct call. So Alex Ring receives the ball. Or I guess he's a ball is played wide to Ring. He and Araujo, uh, the Orlando midfielder, were challenging for a ball. Araujo slides in, and I don't. Did, I think he win, wins the ball and kicks it out of bounds. He did. Yep. But as he's going through. I I guess he felt slighted, but I, I I think maybe he thought Ring like stepped on him on purpose or something. I think Ring catches him a little bit with a trailing leg, but it did not look at all like he meant to do it by any means. But Araujo took offense to it and kicks out at him. And as soon as this happens, like they didn't give the red card, but the line judge was standing right there and puts his hand on his ear immediately. And I said, watch this. They're going to review this and give this guy a red card. Because just the way he like the that guy the the fourth sorry the line judge's body language I was like this might be something and they go and look at it and give the red and like this one again like was this a fair call? No, I think so. That's again, this is right in front of us. This is the first time that all the action has happened in the South End, right? I think it's the first time that it's the most goals are like all four goals were scored in the South End. So like I've, I saw a lot more than normal and. When when he went down, I was like, I think that guy just kicked Alex Ring in the bag. And then after the game, and I don't remember who he, I think it was the Bills. Like, yeah, Ring's exact quote was, he kicked me in the jewels. <laughs> and so I, I feel like that should be a red card. I feel like he kicked in the jewels. That's red card. Yeah, he, he doesn't kick hard and like doesn't make a super strong connection. So do you think if he like kicks Alex Ring in the, in the leg with the same amount of force, I think that's probably not a red card. No, I don't think so. I think it was the fact that his like foot was so high. I think it's, it's yeah. part of it. Like the exact region of the body where he yeah. he hit him. Like you don't have to you don't have to hit it hard for it to matter. <laughs> right. And the line judge was standing right there and saw it all. So yeah, again, like maybe you could feel a little bit hard done by, but like don't kick people. And <laughs> you'll be fine. Like <laughs> there's an easy solution. Yeah. So this gives us what we're playing eleven on nine there. And right. there's a ton of intensity in the stadium. This is where we get to the whole, you know, like the loud, probably the loudest that we feel like this stadium's ever been cheering on a club that is like, we're on the front foot. Obviously we should be on the front foot at 11 or nine, but they were playing. I mean, I saw somebody talking about like, how do you not create space when you're playing like 11 on nine? But also, like they're packing the box, and we're packing the box. Yeah, like, there's not there are not a lot of open lanes when you're playing that style of soccer. Yeah. So Ryan Riggins, um, this is one of our Patreon questions. Ryan Riggins asks, "Can someone much smarter than me tell me the strategy behind only whipping balls into the box for headers?" Ryan, we neither of us are smarter than you, but we'll do our best to explain this here. Uh, Josh Wolf actually addressed this in the in the press conference after the game. And he said, that's essentially what they wanted to do. Like that's, that's what you do in that moment. And the reason being is they're going to pack the box, but because they don't have anybody higher, like 
if they pack the box, that means everybody's in the box. And so you have all that space outside. And so what you try to do is like shift it around, make like catch the defense moving, get into that space and then play a ball in behind the line. I think the one thing we could have done better in this game that would have made this a little more effective is having another winger who could maybe take that ball a little more aggressively to the end line. What we were doing was getting it out wide and either playing it from like that half space, like a diagonal, like out swinger into the back post, or we would get it out wide and one of the wingers would play it in that way. I think maybe like when Ethan Finley was receiving it wide, occasionally if it was there pushing to the end line and maybe breaking that line there. And then maybe you have a cross in or like a cut back to the, to the penalty spot. And that's another layer of danger. But I really do think that is probably the best way to handle it is to like make that back line shift, have a bunch of guys up on that line. And as that line is shifting, see if you can get a ball in behind and get ahead on it. Um, we got quite a few chances. We just couldn't finish them. Uh, we, couldn't put one in. I think uh, Diego gets one in behind that goes off the post. There's a couple of headers. Musa gets a really strong header that goes wide. And so we really were getting chances and I think probably should have scored on some of them and just couldn't get any of them in. So I think it's more about execution than, than strategy there, both on the finishing and then also maybe on just some of that like 1v1 effort. So, But luckily, as the as the I guess the um, frustration was building in the in the building. We finally did convert one. When does Musa come on? Uh, Musa comes into the game in the seventy fifth minute. He comes on for Danny Pereira. So this is not long after that second red. Um, I saw some people maybe questioning the, the decision to bring off Danny as opposed to someone else. But I think that was probably the right move. Um, just considering a lot of factors, like I saw Kevin Morris suggest that maybe we should have taken off a defender, but we had just put on those two fullbacks. Uh, Keller hadn't played the whole game, so he was still pretty fresh. And so what they ended up doing was pushing Julio up high later in the game, leaving Kip back there kind of by himself. And then... Which you can, I, 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 I which you can do. Moment, you can do when you're eleven on nine, right? Right. Yeah. And like Keller is athletic enough to like be back there by himself. He can handle that in that in that situation and did. Um both with Kara and then uh who is the other Akindele, when they put the other striker Akindele on, he's another big dude and they would just launch balls up and Keller did really well to just hold him up and put a body on him and not let him uh really make anything of it most of the time. So if if you're just looking at who to put on, I really do think Danny makes the most sense. Also, keeping in mind that Danny has four yellow cards. If he gets one more card, then he's going to be out. And so this is another question we've gotten is being on four cards, does that red card that he got in RSL cancel those out? And Jeremiah, you're able to confirm that no, it does not. No. He, he's still on four yellows, and if he gets another one, he misses another game. Right, and we're going to be in a weird space because now he's on four yellows. Alex is on four yellows and Johan's on four yellows. So we're almost like a strategically somebody needs to take one to get back. But yeah, I mean, if you read that, I saw Seth Rao suggest online that um, 
Danny's not going to be able to travel to the Montreal game. And so I guess that's going to be the next game after the Galaxy, after the Galaxy. game, correct? Yep. yep. And so <laughs> this is a, a dangerous game to play. But if Danny could get a yellow in the Galaxy game, he would then be suspended for the game in Montreal, which he is not allowed to travel to anyway due to immigration status. And so if we could swing that, that would be best case scenario. But again, dangerous game to play. Yeah, for sure. You never never know what you're going to get. But yeah, so yeah, thanks to Cam- Cameron Kubek from Austin FC for answering that question. Because if you read the rules, they don't ever speak to like what a red happen- Red means the yellow card accumulation. But apparently it was very much on purpose because it just doesn't do you any good. Yeah, so Musajite comes on the 75th. He ends up scoring the uh, the goal to tie the game up. Another controversial call happened leading up to that. So there was a ball played in. It gets cleared by an Orlando player and bounces off of what it looks like to me in the replay. It bounces off of Musa. Off of Musa Goes out of bounds. Yeah. And they give us a corner kick. That's the corner kick that leads to the goal that Musajite scores. And so Orlando fans online are very angry about this one. So that's actually not reviewable by VAR. So even if they did notice it, there's nothing they could have done about it. So like, yeah, like I think Orlando fans should be upset that the corner was given, but you still defend the corner. Like it's not like that led directly to the goal. It led to the corner, which was the last corner of the game that led to the goal. But um, I don't know. Them's them's the breaks. Like, I think you win some of those types of things. You lose some of them. And again, I like maybe this is bias showing. I feel like Austin has been on the losing end of those kinds of things more often than not. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say this ref did not cover himself in glory in this in this match. In I feel like he ways. handled he handled like pressure quite well as far as like um. I don't know, like not like I guess it wasn't that spicy of a match until the very end anyway. But uh, Pedro Gallese finally gets a yellow card, like, I don't know, in the 94th minute or something in that 90 minute plus nine. And so finally gets a yellow card, probably deserved one in the first half for time wasting. This is how long this was going on. And so, I, yeah, I think there's like quite a few things that he did wrong but not all of them were against orlando <laughs> right i mean there was there was a moment i think before the gta goal when like four orlando guys all fell down at the same time you know it was yeah they were they were they were time wasting and it, it was a mess but that's kind of what contributed to making it one of the most bananas games i've ever seen at q2 stadium yeah and the extra time at the end wolf seemed pretty upset about that as well so they raise up the sign to say there's I think seven minutes of extra time Orlando immediately make a sub and waste another minute of time there. And then Gaese takes five slow uh, goal kicks and then people go down and fake injuries, all that happens. And we get two extra minutes out of that. And so I don't know, man, I, I think the whole extra time thing never makes much sense, but especially in moments like that. How did this game feel to you? Is this a draw that feels like a loss? Is it a draw clutch from the jaws of defeat? Like, I would how say, does it feel to you? I would say I, I would say it was a draw from a match that I feel like we should have lost. I mean, going in, my expectations were higher for than 
than they were like during the game. But I was very happy as it unfolded to leave this match with a draw and leave this match like where we were still sitting in the still sitting in the table. Yeah, I think it would have been because of all the chances we got and because of how those, especially the first goal was scored by Orlando, it would have been an extremely disappointing one to lose. The good news is we're still in second place because FC Dallas lost, the Galaxy lost, and so we're still just two points behind LAFC, two points ahead of Dallas. And then are we still second in the Supporter Shield? I haven't looked at that yet. Uh, we would be... Depending yeah, on whether you look second. at... Well, we're... It's like depending upon whether you look at points per game, because New York City said the NYCFC has one less game played. It's like at points per game they're ahead of us, but overall we're second in supporter shield. Oh, okay, yeah. We're still in the race though. It's still in contention for supporter shield. So some of those results broke our way, so still have some leeway there. But that being said, we can't drop points at home regularly and still stay in this position. Yeah, that's, I mean, it was, it was a good week. Four points from a week is a good week, but it's like reverse of how you would think. If, if I told right, you, like, yeah. we're going to get four points in a week, you'd be like, oh, wow, we, we went to LAFC and pulled out a draw. That's great. And then we went yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the more likely, more likely thing I would have seen there. All right, anything else from the Orlando game, Jeremiah, before we move on? No, let's go ahead and move on. So we're going to talk about LA Galaxy briefly. Yes, we've, very we, briefly. Because we played them, like, what, two weeks ago? We, we feel like we know them. Yeah, so give us a quick rundown to what has happened to the Galaxy since the last time we saw them. So the Galaxy are sitting fifth in the West on 20 points. So I think they were, what, third last time we played them? They've That's not, right, just behind us. Yeah, not been a good run of form. So they've lost to Dallas. I think that was, that was 3-1, drew to Minnesota. And they lost 3-0 to Houston at home. So I think... They've given up more goals since we played them, maybe, than they had given up all year before we played them. Like they've given up six goals, or they've given up seven goals over three matches. I think um, they had given up nine when we played them, and they've the, given up seven since. Seven since. Um, and one other thing is, uh, if you listen to Westward Ho, which you should, with like Phil West show, they have a uh, matchup, a U.S. Open Cup match in the middle of the week against LAFC. Which, if you're in LA, apparently that is a very serious matchup, and regardless of the competition, they are going to go all out. So we should have an advantage from LA Galaxy having played a match that matters a lot to them, just a few days before we go on the road. Yeah, hopefully they. I mean, for entertainment purposes, I hope that one's a crazy game because I'll probably be watching it. But uh, hopefully, the Galaxy tire themselves out trying to beat their rival there. Chicharito was on a hot streak at the beginning of the season, but he hasn't scored in the last seven games. Hopefully we can keep that. <laughs> Let's make that it eight. <laughs> dry spell running too. Um, so last time we played Galaxy, they shut down our midfield. We didn't play very well in the midfield. I think that's going to be one of the keys here. Um, they've been giving up goals, I hopefully, and they've been giving up early goals. A lot of the Dallas and Houston's goals were in the first half. I think we just need to kind of come out again confident, talk, talking about fear, like not being afraid, playing confident, not being worried about making a mistake or worrying about how good this opponent is. 
just going out with intensity and confidence and just taking it to him. And if we do that and can play a slightly cleaner game in the midfield, we can beat this team. I mean, if, if Houston and Dallas can beat them, we can beat them. So um, it's just about performing. All right. I think this is a good spot to wrap it up, Jeremiah. Before we do that, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And then if you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter at Elviahero87 and jbentley underscore ATX. And then we're also at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for the Patreon. We got one Patreon question in this week, but we have quite a few in yeah. the chamber that we're hoping to get to next week. Jeremiah, do you want to give a little, a little I, teaser for one of them? I do. There's my very favorite Patreon question we, we may have ever gotten other than how many marshmallows we could eat. Is if you had to assemble a first eleven of a- active soccer players from any league for an Ocean's Eleven style heist, who would you pick and why? So this is going to be the kind of thing that we can get into next week when we have a little bit more time, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So uh, we have other Patreon question we'll answer. If you would like to have one of your questions answered, guaranteed once a month on the show, then you can become a captain level member of our Patreon. We'd also like to encourage you to visit the Striker Texas website, where if you use the code MOONTOWER22 with a capital M, you can get a 30% discount to the best soccer coverage in Texas. Jeremiah, what should folks look out for there this week? Well, this week, there was a really good article from Chris Bills um, about Owen Wolf, who we talked about a lot, but it's it's really like a, a deep insight into, into a 17-year-old's mind, but it really helps you understand like how he's become the player that he is today. I love that video after the the LAFC game where he just gives like the most coach answer I've ever heard. And I was thinking like, oh, my God, he's such a coach's kid. And then it cuts to Wolf and Wolf says the same thing. Like, that's a coach's kid for you. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. For sure. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer, where we will review the LA Galaxy match and then cover any other Austin FC news that comes up. We'll also dig into a little bit of Austin FC fan culture with Trevor and Pollo FC. I'm very much looking forward to that. Trevor is a really fun guy, and this is a really fun story. So looking forward to speaking to him and you guys all hearing that. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Think for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my god.